All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler, and Bag Milk starts now. Weather's Nation Radio episode 176. I am Bag Milk and we are feeling pissy. I got Tyler Uremchuk here, Nation Dan and Zach filling in for Rick, who is down in Mexico. We have got a lot to talk about, but as we do every week, we start off with our oodle noodle delicious debate. Mr. Uremchuk, what are we talking about this week? How excited are you for the beginning of the Seth Griffith era? <laughs> Delicious, delicious, delicious. Uh, that is actually not the delicious debate. <laughs> the delicious debate, courtesy of Oodle Noodle, on a scale of one to 10, how surprised are you we didn't get a coaching change this morning? Uh, I'll jump in. Zero. The Oilers seem perfectly content to wait and do nothing until Connor and Leon threaten to leave, I guess. They just seem really content with the status quo. And it's, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, you look at a team like Vegas when they fired, what's his name? They were still a winning team a handful of years ago, Vancouver, they fired their coach in the middle of a slide that looked like ours. So am I surprised that the Oilers aren't doing it? No, because they tend to look like they or tend to believe they're the smartest people in the room all the time. So no zero on the surprise factor for me. Uh, for me, I'll jump in next. I actually am a little surprised. I'll go like seven out of 10 just because we'd started to hear some of the mainstream media guys. Yeah. Some of the mainstream guys had started to bring up the idea of a coaching change potentially coming. And then I'd heard some things maybe today that changes might be happening, but ultimately I guess it didn't materialize. So I think it's a mistake, but I'm a little surprised it didn't happen. Well, you said it anyway to like, sorry to cut uh, Zach and Dan off here, but you said it anyway in that tweet. Like if you're waiting for one more loss, What's the point here? What are we doing? Because the decision's already made. What is one more loss on the pile going to yeah. do? It does nothing. Zero. Rip the Band-Aid, to quote Tyler Uremchuk. Mm. Zach, what do you think? Are you surprised there's been no coaching change to this point? Well, I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, like, I, I'd probably put myself at a 12 out of 10 that it hasn't happened at this point. So, like, beyond very <laughs> surprised. Um, because Dave Tippett's done an awful job. But hey, you know what, guys? Like, we've been following this team for long enough. And, and in Edmonton, uh, all they want to do is accept mediocrity. And uh, mediocrity, mediocrity is what makes the world go around at Edmonton. So uh, the Oilers are pretty mediocre right now. So I think the organization is quite happy with that. Um, you know, we're in year seven of Connor McDavid. We're in year eight of Leon Dreisaitl. Um you know, I think we're all feeling a little pissy about where the Oilers are at and uh, so the organization just doesn't seem to give a shit. And uh, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. You got jerseys tossed on the ice last night. Again, uh, you get run out of your building by the Panthers, just like we all expected to have happen. Um, and Tyler, you're spot on with that tweet, man. Like 
what, what difference is it going to make? I mean, you know, what, so what's going to happen? Calgary is going to come into Edmonton on Saturday. Uh, they're going to win three, nothing or something. Oh, and now we can make the move. It's ridiculous. Just rip the bandaid off. Let's make it happen. And let's get a fresh face in there. It's like, do you have to wait? Like, I obviously I hope, you know, and I truly believe actually, maybe that's just me being the eternal optimist that the Oilers will show up to play against the flames. Cause they always seem to, but as a counter, like if you're waiting to get embarrassed or add on an eighth straight loss on hockey night in Canada in front of the whole country, like what are we doing here? Dan, well, are you surprised a, or what? Well, for me, the the positive that came out of the last game was they had a good start and I was surprised to see that. And so I think that that probably bought Tippett another day. And again, yeah, I agree with you guys that, you know, it's, it's about damn time for, for some kind of a change to happen for some kind of a signal from this organization that, you know, yeah, sure. The bat signal has to go up and we got to fix this, but, um, but at the same time, it's, it's Ken Holland and Ken Holland doesn't make in-season coaching changes. And uh, so I was probably like a 0.5 out of 10. Yeah. Like I'm with you, Dan, I'm zero on the surprise meter at this point because the Oilers just seem content. Like Ken Holland said it. What are we now? 10 days ago, 15 days ago from his press conference. It's like, he's seems content to let them work through it, even though the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger. And all I can think of is that Simpsons meme where it's like, no, dig up idiot. Um, They are in a deep hole and I don't, well, even here's the thing is I don't know how much a coaching change would just like stop the bleeding as it is, but at some point you have to do something, don't you? Well, yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think this is the perfect time to do it. Dave Tippett has lost 13 games behind the bench. Like I said this in the in the beat cast last night to you, Bagnell. Like you look at any other profession, and if you had those kind of results over a two month period, like you're getting canned, no matter what, no matter what it is. So why isn't any different here for the Edmonton Oilers? Like, what are we waiting on here? Um, it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassment for this organization that they're continuously just sitting on their hands here and not doing anything. Oh, but you know, the the answer's got to be in the room. The answer's got to be in the room. Well, then why'd you recall Seth Seth Griffith this morning if if the answer's already in the room? Like it just it doesn't make any sense to me what Mission the messaging is. Yeah. Like exactly. Like, Hey guys, look at this one. Brad Malone. It's Seth Griffith, baby. Like, guys, come is on. Is that a direct like, shot we... at Dan Gallant here? Hey, how dare you <laughs> yeah. search the good name of Brad Malone? But it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, and uh, at this point, you just can't help but laugh about it. Right. Like, I mean, what else can you do at this point? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. You just got to ride it through. Tyler is now on his phone. He is producing the podcast at an elite level. Uh, Dan, I don't know what you're, you're generally the most positive one on this podcast. I appreciate that. You said the Oilers actually had a good start last night. And that's one of the more frustrating things too, is the last two losses specifically. They were up three, one against the Sens after 40 minutes last night against the Panthers, absolutely running the show for the first First period for sure. Second period, it was much more evenly played, but it was one of those ones where Bobrovsky at one end is standing on his head, other end, Miko Koskinen can't match. And I'm not hanging the entire loss on Miko as much as some people did, but there comes a point when you at least got to get a save, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, when you're down, when you're down two nothing, and then it turns into three, nothing. And then it goes to four, nothing. Like it's just, yes. At some point you start to, to beg for that save, but at the same time, you know, Koskinen was in the net, whether he wanted to be there or not, or was ready to be there or not. Yeah. Uh, this team is in a, in dire straits when it comes to the goaltending in general, um, you know, and, and after a six, nothing loss, we're going back to Koskinen likely on Saturday because Stuart Skinner is still in COVID protocols as we speak. So barring a, barring a, you know, an abnormal recovery time, we're going to be looking at Koskinen in the net. So I just, yeah, it's, I, I really felt like that, that game was one of those ones where, you know, you just, you visually won that game and you didn't win it on the score sheet, but, uh, but yeah, well, it's, it's the third period. Anyway. Well, that's in that. And exactly. But, but also I think you sensed it as soon as that first goal went in, the deflation was on and, and it wasn't there long after that it was two nothing. So, you know, I mean, it's just this team, this team is, is, is in one because they are, they are trapped by this, this first goal nonsense that we're having to deal with in this effort that they're putting forward. But like you said, bag milk, last two games, better effort, just haven't got the results. 
Tyler, we're talking about how last night against the Panthers, the Oilers came out like a house on fire. They played really, really well to start. They just couldn't beat Bobrovsky. Obviously, the snake bite is real. Do you think that we're at a point now where the first goal that goes in, to me, that's a stoppable shot, regardless oh, yeah. of the cross ice pass? Like, are we at a point now where you see that go in and you just go, oh, fuck, here we go again? Well, especially because in the first period, like how many times did they have grade A chances where the puck hopped over their stick or just didn't bounce right to them in the slot? And I literally sat there and laughed. I was like, they are cursed. There's going to be a weak one that goes in and we're going to look back at these five, six chances they had in the opening frame. And we're going to go, damn, really? One of those couldn't go in and that's the one we give up. And that's really what happened. Like Koskinen, the one Koskinen gave up. The more you watch it, the more egregious it gets. In the moment when I saw it the first time, I was like, ah, that's Barkov. That's a cross ice pass. Like maybe it wasn't too bad. But even then, like after Bobrovsky stands on his head for the first 20 shots of the game, you can't stop that, Miko. The saucer pass across the ice was so slow. How do you not move quicker? Like I just, ah, oh man, they are cursed. I think they are cursed. Now, does firing Dave Tippett help Miko stop those shots? No. That's on Ken Holland. Yes. So that's the thing that I wanted to touch on. So they're not going to fire the coach. It doesn't seem like at least not right away. Maybe one more loss. I remember a couple of weeks ago when it was like, well, if they lose to Ottawa, you know, and they did. So we'll see. Um, Looking at Ken Holland's work, goaltending coming back to the well for a third straight time at this point has to just be, if you're going to put a bet down and all of us on this podcast are betters, that is not paying off right now. No. Fade the oil. So we, we, we got to look at it in, in two different ways with the coaching change, right? So you have two ends of the spectrum. You either have the Vancouver Canucks where they come out to a slow start this year. Travis Green isn't quite getting it done. They decide to make the move, bring it in Bruce Boudreaux. They win seven in a row. Now they're a little bit stagnant again, which is to be expected. But overall... You look at that team and say, wow, yeah, there's been a massive difference between what you've seen earlier in the year and what you see now. Then the other side of it is you look at the Philadelphia Flyers. I think it was Elaine Vigneault who was behind the bench to start the year there. Similarly, they had a really tough go. And at one point, they had a 10-game losing streak. Uh, They fired him. They brought in Mike Yo, got a little bit of a boost for a week or two. But again, they've lost another 10 straight. So where would the (laughs) Oilers sit in that spectrum? You have to imagine it's somewhere in the middle, right? I'm in the mindset of at the very least, you have to try something different. You have to try a new voice. You have to try a fresh face. You have to try that different perspective. Seth Griffith is a fresh face, Zachary. (laughs) Yeah, Seth Griffith, they're up. You know, but you got to do something. Right. You got to do something. You can't sit on your hands. What would it do for Koskinen? Probably not a whole lot in terms of the on ice play, but Hey, you probably feel better if you're Miko Koskinen walking into the room, having a different head coach than the guy that threw you under the bus in the media a month ago. You know, like I I can't imagine that Koskinen feels very great walking into that dressing room every single day. uh, You know, given what's gone on with him this year. Tyler, you wrote yesterday in, uh, I know this oodle noodle delicious debate is taking a little turn, but you wrote about the Oilers looking for a goaltender. Everybody knows it. Mm. Not exactly news. What, what did you have there in your, your latest rumors blog at OilersNation.com? Well, we're starting to get a little bit of rumblings about the goalies that could potentially be available. And I'm working on a YouTube video right now with Mike McKenna, the goaltending guru over at Daily Faceoff, where he gives me his take on some of the guys that are available. And listen, Marc-Andre Fleury is not happening. I forget about it. Jonas Corposalo is apparently out there. The Oilers, according to Pierre Lebrun, have checked in. He sucks. He's not that good of a goalie. Semin Varlamov is an interesting one because he is a good goalie, but he's a $5 million cap at next season. So are you committing to that? Doubt it. Braden Holpe is a really interesting name because he has good numbers this year, but even he's been inconsistent over the past couple of seasons. So you worry about that a little. Alexander Gorgiev looks like he could be maybe Cam Talbot 2.0 and a guy who can step in and be an NHL goalie for you and maybe handle a 1A workload. I don't think the Rangers are trading him in the middle of the season while they're looking to go on a playoff run. So you just go down the list and it's easy to see that there aren't a lot of really strong options out there. The thing, and this might be when the Oilers have to kill time until the deadline. If Washington is apparently interested in a veteran goalie, then they might be willing to move Vitek Vanacek. Once the taxi squads end, and this comes up obviously quicker than the deadline, 
Once the taxi squads end, St. Louis has Ville Husso and Charlie Lindgren, and both those guys have really good numbers this year. Maybe you can pry one of those loose or hopefully scoop one up on waivers for free. Um, and the other name that I'd be interested in is Pavel Francouz. And you might be thinking like, why would Colorado deal him? They're cup contender. But if the rumors about Colorado being interested in flurry are true, they might need to get rid of Francouz to free up the money and not have a three headed monster between the pipes. So there's names that are interesting. I just don't think those names are available yet. All I do know is that looking today at natural stat trick, the Oilers are third last in goaltending at five on five. There's a lot that goes into that, of course, but it is also what it is. You know, it is what it is. Dan, you've been the goalie apologist on this podcast for years now. Where are you at this point? Well, you will remember this offseason I checked out and I said, enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough of me supporting this, this tandem. And when they went back to it, I said, no. I've been asking for a new goalie since the season started. You guys were, you guys were clamoring for third line centers during that win streak. <laughs> and I was still asking for a goalie. So um, I'm still there. I'm trying not to just, I, I like for me on social media and like, it's just, it's just too much and it's piling on and it's, it's just over the top and it's boring to t- keep talking about how bad our goaltending is. It's a situation that we started with this year at, and you know, it continues to be what we thought it would be. Mike Smith has been every bit as injured as we imagined he could be. And uh, we're sitting here just spinning our wheels in January. And I, I don't know, like, I'm just, I'm just so resigned at this point when it comes to all these little factors on our team where it's just like, I don't know if we can fix it in season anymore. I don't know if, if Ken Holland, if he was, you know, if he grew another three clones, a la Homer Simpson in that Simpsons episode with the hammock, if he could fix this situation on his own, I just, I just don't know if it's fixable at this point. Zach, you're a fan of the fancies. So you know that you know the numbers that we're talking about here. When you look at the goaltending, obviously this is a team sport, the ultimate team sport. What do you think about what's going on with the goaltending right now? Because the Oilers just cannot get a save, and well, it's yeah. clearly affecting them on at the other end of the ice as well. I mean, I'm going to harken back to a, an old NFL quote from a head coach uh, who used to work for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, or the Coyotes, oh shit, the, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, there was a game in in the late 2000s where the, my Chicago Bears played the Cardinals in the playoffs and uh, head coach of the Cardinals, Dennis Green, came out with a great quote after the game and said, the Bears are who we thought they were. We let them have it on the field. And if you want to crown them, then crown their asses. But the Bears are who we thought they were. And the Oilers' goaltending is exactly who we thought they were. Like, we knew that Mikko Koskinen is not a starting goaltender. We know that Mikko Koskinen is not a guy that can run with it. And so are, should we be surprised? Absolutely not. Okay, yeah, sure. The Oilers are getting terrible goaltending. At 5-on-5 five five this year, fifth worst rate uh, in the last, you know, long stretch here. Um, but over the same breath, in the same breath, since December 1st, the Oilers have the third worst shooting percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, they're getting PDO'd like crazy right They're getting PDO'd like crazy. So they can't score a goal. They can't buy a save. So, so which one is really the more important one, right? Because at the end of the day, you can outscore goaltending problems. Like, look at what the Oilers did earlier this year. They outscored their problems. Well, now the Oilers aren't outscoring their problems. And we can see exactly where these problems are. So, you know, I think... I think the the narrative of the, the Oilers' goaltending is the problem at this point is lazy um, because I think it's exactly what we know it is. And, and there's problems on this team that are much deeper than uh, just what's going on in the net. Uh, certainly not a position of strike, though. I think we could all no. agree with that. No, exactly. And that's that's the point. Like, we knew that this wasn't a position of strength coming into the season. You know, we knew that the Oilers were probably going to run into some problems if Mike Smith was hurt. And, well, look, Mike Smith has been hurt. And so what do you do? Turn to Stuart Skinner? I mean, yeah, that's great. Like, he's played some good hockey this year. But at the end of the day, he's still a rookie in the NHL. So how much of, uh, you know, the load you want to throw on a guy like that at this point in time? We are talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, they lost their seventh straight game last night to the Florida Panthers. They haven't played a whole lot, but when they do, it is hurtful. So we're going to move on a little bit and we are going to give a shout out to our friends at DoorDash. It's Friday. Ding dong. Order yourself some food. You don't want to cook. I know you don't want to cook. You're listening to this right now. 
You're not cooking shit. Go on over to DoorDash, get yourself something to eat. Uh, we got some housekeeping items today. We talked about the Seth Griffith era kicking off. Tyler, if you want to push your button one more time for Seth Griffith. We also, got, we also got some reports out of Puckpedia.com that Brad Malone may be signing an NHL contract. I know Nation Dan is very excited about Brad Malone potentially making a return to the NHL. Again, this is shuffling the deck chairs at some point. Kyle Turris also won waivers. Do you think, even though these are minor moves we're talking about, do you think... Seeing- well, there's two minor moves and one major move, Bag Milk. And that major move is Brad Malone coming to this team. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Do you think there's something bigger brewing here with these little shuffles, or is this just trying to look busy? Tyler? Uh, this is just trying to look busy. This is, like you said, shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, like... Hey, could Seth Griffith come in and be a decent bottom sixer for them? Sure. Is he going to be like any more of an upgrade on like Colton Sevier or someone like that? I don't buy it. Is Brad Malone going to come up and be that much better than Derek Ryan? No, I don't believe that either. I know Dan is emphatically nodding his head. Yes. <laughs> the way you love Malone, you'd think he's from Halifax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is, he is a heart and soul kind of player. Here's my theory, Tyler. Here's my, here's what I'm thinking. These moves are happening is the reason is they're trying to pave the way for Jay Woodcroft. He Jay Woodcroft has some guys that he's identified that he wants on this roster to fix some of the situations that we have. and who knows these condors better than your future Edmonton Oilers coach, Jay Woodcroft and his guys like Seth, Mc- Seth Griffith. And last month he was given a quote about Brad Malone, who wasn't even on his team. He was talking about a guy that wasn't even signed to the team. He loves Brad Malone that much. So two Brad Malone guys on this podcast, Jay Woodcroft, oh, Jay Woodcroft was a guest early on, on the real life podcast. Wasn't he? Very, very early. He might have been back in the when Gregor was involved with it. Yeah, yeah. but anyways, going back to my point, Seth Griffith and Brad Malone—they're paving the way. They're starting to plant that seed for what Woodcroft is going to bring to this organization. Uh, I like to follow that down the rabbit hole a little and just say the Oilers, that's how they're going to fire Tippett is just keep introducing more condors. <laughs> and then one day Tippett's going to walk into the room and like the condors logo will be on the wall. And he'll be like, what the fuck? And I feel, like, like, yeah, my, my I feel like I've made this money ball reference now, like four or five times, but it is the Carlos Pena situation. He's yeah. we've cut Kyle Turris and Tippett's now like, well, who am I going to put in now? Well, you've got Brad Malone and you've got Seth Griffith. As much as I would be really, really intrigued in Jay Woodcroft, again, I've said this before a couple of weeks ago, I don't think that... Um, I, I don't buy the argument he doesn't have enough experience. He's doing well as a head coach down in the AHL, and I refuse to ignore the fact that he was an assistant coach in the National Hockey League for... I don't know. What was that like 10 years before finally getting his gig with the Condors? Like he learned some stuff there. Like we're not, I I refuse to believe that he doesn't deserve a chance. It's either going to be here or there, but I don't, or here elsewhere, I should say, but I, where I disagree with Dan is I just don't think that's the move Holland's going to make. I just, people want it too much. And the Oilers seem to like hurting our feelings. Uh, Back to some house, back to the housekeeping. Uh, Zach Hyman yesterday ahead of the game, he was added to a COVID protocol. He joins Slater Cuckoo there uh, and Stuart Skinner, who will miss Saturday's game against the Flames, all in COVID protocol. So there's things happening, none of them good, unless you're Brad Malone or Seth Griffith. Sorry, Dan. Uh, but the other big story of the week that how could we not talk about it is how pissy we all feel. If you missed it, and I don't know how you could because it was impossible to do so. Earlier in the week, Jim Matheson and Leon Dreisaitl had a very awkward exchange after practice. Jim asked Leon a question. Answer wasn't great. Followed up with a different version of the same question, in my opinion. Leon had no time for it. Jim responded by asking, why are you so pissy? As it turns out, we're all feeling pissy because it wasn't just Leon who didn't want to answer that kind of question. It was Oilers fans in general. When you saw this, Tyler, you're the only one of us that's real media. What was your take on the, are you feeling pissy situation? Yeah. Real media, depending on who you ask. Um, (laughs) But Uh, I listen, I don't need to like get into a whole pissing match about this stuff. I've had not asking you to. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, I've had plenty of really good interactions with Jim Matheson. I think he is a nice man. Um, 
I just think using a word like pissy and saying it in that way to a player is just a little unprofessional in my opinion. And that, and that's all it is. And I think dry is justified in reacting the way he did. And he gave two answers previous to Matheson's questions and yeah, that's everything. I'm surprised actually that Jim went there to be honest. Me too. I just, it was really, really weird. Almost like, like Jim's been known to ask, you know, he, he asks the questions he feels like asking. He doesn't really play by a book, but that one to me caught me off as like, Oh, that's a, that's an odd one. Uh, the good news though, however, shout out to Jim. We did launch the, we are all pissy tees. Those are available and think until Sunday, I believe. So Sunday would be the 23rd of January, uh, nationgear.ca. Zach, what do you think of those? Are you, why are you so pissy? I mean, I, there's a couple ways you can look at it. I, I think for me, I think it's disrespectful. Um, I think it's disrespectful to the player. I think it's as simple as that. I don't think you, you listen to any press conference around the league and you really don't hear interactions like that. Uh, publicly, and if you you know listen to any of the the media talking heads, you'd say, okay, well, these things are are going on behind closed doors. Um, but unfortunately, these aren't the. This isn't a world we live in where um, those things are happening anymore behind closed doors. It's all in the public eye. Um, and honestly, I think if anybody's pissy in that scenario, it was Jim Matheson. Um, he's the one who got defensive and upset uh, at, at Dreisaitl's comment. And it wasn't really the other way around. Um, I think at the end of the day, these players, um, you know, they do need to come out and they do need to speak to the media and they do need to be accountable. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, why are we trying to get Leon Dreisaitl to answer questions that are really more for guys like Ken Holland as to why, you know, this roster is construction constructed in such a poor way that the Oilers are in the middle of this slide. So I don't even know if it was Leon Dreisaitl's question to be answering uh, in the first place. And I mean, just, I got a good idea why he's pissy, you know? Well, I mean, exactly. I, I got, I got a pretty good idea. And there's 13 of 15 reasons for it. Dan, wrap us up on the pissy gate here at Edmonton. What is your take on it? I mean, my thing is, is just in any of these situations, just like I would just, I just wish it could just play out before people come in and they diagnose how it's going to play out. Um, You know, to me, it's like Matheson took his lumps (laughs) and that was it. But from social media, and then we could have just moved on from it. Yeah, we made a nice t-shirt out of it. And I think we turned it into more of a positive than it would have been otherwise had Oilers Nation not existed. Um, But for me, it's, you know, the world moved on past it for the most part in, in, in the sense, at least from what I was seeing of anger towards Jim Matheson the next morning. Right. But then all these writers are coming out and defending him and making people say like, no, Colin or asking an NHL player who's lost 10 out of his last 12 games, why he's pissy is not a good question of a a professional to ask. And so it just continues to drag it on and it continues to drag it on. And it's, and it's media types supporting media types. And we can't, we can't seem to have this, this actual just recourse about, you know, or discourse about something that just wasn't good and we can then move on from it. But instead it has to be dragged out in the news cycle for three days later. And we're still seeing it talked about this morning in a negative light towards Matheson when it really should just be something that we could rally around and all be pissy about otherwise. I was a big part of the pregame show last night too on Sportsnet. I was just like, well, we spent a lot of time on this pissy gate here again, go to nationgear.ca and buy yourself a t-shirt. You'll look sharp. I promise you. In fact, if you wear a, we are all pissy tee, you will be 150% more attractive Whoa. to Tyler Ramchuk. Oh, yes. That's just, these are the facts. You Math. want fancy stats? These are the facts. Uh, Got to give a shout out to our friends at Cornerstone Insurance for 90 years and four generations. They have offered all of the insurance products you could have ever hoped to have. Auto, residential, commercial, life insurance, they've got it all. And if you go to cornerstoneins.ca, Get all the information on the left-hand side of the screen, a little button that says Citizens of the Nation or under the About drop-down. Click on that and get yourself a discount. Got it? Good. Cornerstoneins.ca. Uh, more housekeeping items real quick. Dylan Holloway 
he was cleared to go down to the Bakersfield Condors. He had a couple of surgeries to correct an issue on his wrist. I know he is a prospect. A lot of Oilers fans are watching. A lot of Oilers fans are hopeful for. So I think that's nothing but good news to see him finally getting his first pro season underway. Uh, Zach, we've written about him a lot over the last couple of months, just mostly news updates as he's, as he's working his way back. But are you a guy who's excited about Holloway at least making his pro debut down in Bakersfield? Yeah, I am. And I think he should stay in Bakersfield for the uh, remainder of the year, quite honestly. Um, I agree. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't, I don't know if this is a scenario where uh, we would be putting Dylan Holloway in the best position to succeed uh, by recalling him to the national hockey league. Look, this is a guy that still hasn't played any professional games uh, in North America, right? Like, like I don't understand this expectation of Dylan Holloway coming in to be a difference maker. Like, remember when we drafted Dylan Holloway and people all said, well, you know what? This guy's not really going to be a, um, like an elite level forward, more of a middle six depth guy. Um, so even if if Holloway came in and hit his supposed ceiling right off the get-go, which we all know he wouldn't, he would at best be a middle six forward for this team. And I think that there's enough bodies right now on this roster um, that can fill in a similar role. Look, send him to Bakersfield. Let him play out the rest of the year. Give him top line minutes down there. Let him play with Lavoie and Marody and all the other guys down there and get some pro hockey experience. Like it's, it's uh it's a point in time where I think we can allow Holloway to develop a little bit more slowly. And I think we need to uh, right now. And I just don't see uh, that happening at the NHL level for him. I agree completely. I think that setting him up for a success would be leaving him in Bakersfield. Let him be the big fish, even if he comes out and rips it up. You know, I don't think there's a bad thing there in his first pro season. Tyler, did you agree, disagree with that? Yeah, I do disagree with it. I think you need to let him decide where he's going to play in a way. Let his play decide where he's going to end up. And if he goes down to Bakersfield and let's say he gets 10 games in during the month, during his first three weeks there, whatever the math would be first month, let's say he goes down there and he has 15 points in 10 games or he's 12 points in 10 games, or even a point a game. And you're like, okay, this guy's pretty good. And we need scoring up here. I think you're at the point where you would almost have to treat him like a deadline acquisition. And I get, maybe it's not the best thing for his development, but I do think he's a big guy who skates well. And those are things that could allow his game to translate to the NHL level quicker than maybe some other prospects. So if he goes down there and he has four points in 10 games and he looks just okay, then yeah, leave him down there for the rest of the year. Don't rush him up by any means. But if he goes down there and he looks good, I think you need to view him as a guy and a young body who can give your team a spark. It will be interesting though. Of course he is yet to make his pro debut, but the good news here is he's now healthy enough to get going. And for Dylan Holloway, obviously he's a prospect of note here in the city. I'm hoping for the best for him. Cause if Tyler's right and he goes down to Bakersfield and he starts ripping it up and earns the recall, then okay, let's see what he can do. But personally I'm with Zach. I would like to see him get his feet wet and spend a little bit of time there, get comfortable, learn what it's like to be a pro from the Brad Malone's of the world Dan, and uh, see where we go from there. Uh, the other thing that happened last night, how can we not talk about Jersey tossing here in the city? Uh, the Oilers last night were getting blown out in the third period, six Oh loss to the Florida Panthers and the jerseys hit the ice. Once again, personally, I don't have a real problem with people throwing their jerseys on the ice, but what I will say is do not throw them during the play. You do not want to hurt somebody. They are not paying attention to the shit you're throwing on the ice. They're trying to play hockey. Do not do it then. Ideally, you don't throw things on the ice in the first place. I don't have a huge problem with it, but what's everyone's take on the jersey tossing raining down here in Edmonton again? Well, I went on a pretty good rant uh, about it. And I just like I coming from me, I was in Halifax. I know crazy at a Mooseheads game. They gave out those. Do you know those, uh, you know, those little fans that they, the little clappers that you can get that are made out of paper at a Mooseheads game. Somebody threw one of those over the ice or over the glass 
Referee didn't see it. Attendant didn't see it. I saw it. Players came down. Player tripped over that piece of paper. Didn't didn't see it on the ice and tripped over it in the middle of the play. Vancouver Canucks. That is comparable to having a jersey on the ice because people don't necessarily see that. And then they come and they trip over that and they smash their heads in the boards. Yes, I know it's a low percentage opportunity of that to happen. But why don't we throw our beer over the uh, over the glass? Why don't we throw our hot that dog shit's over the glass? expensive and it's we, delicious. We paid money. We paid good amount <laughs> money. Good money for that too. And that's the argument I always hear is, well, they paid their three hundred dollars for the jersey, so they can do what they want with it. But that's, you can't. But you can't sit here and tell me that throwing a throwing anything into the field of play is okay, including a jersey. That's my opinion. And I'm fine with, uh, I'm fine with yours too, bag milk. I'm okay with you still. I don't hate you completely. I don't like, I mean, it's like I said, I don't want people throwing jerseys on the ice, but if you're going to do it, okay. I'm not going to be like, Whoa! but yeah. like, I mean, there's no reason to throw anything on the ice during the play ever. Tyler, what's your take on this? Yeah, that's I, I'm kind of with you, Bag Milk. Like, don't do it during play. I if you want to do it because you think you're sending a message, sure, I guess do it. Um, but I don't see much of a point to it. It's not like Ken Holland's gonna see it and be like, you know what? God damn it, Tippett's gotta go. Like, that's the last straw. Is that's a Ryan Jones jersey on the ice, and that shit's sacred. <laughs> How like, dare come you? On. How From dare China. you? And well, like, and like, what happened to the grand actual gestures? Like, we had a guy that paid for a billboard and he drove his truck outside of Oilers offices, the Oilers offices for like two years telling them to fire Kevin Lowe. Like jerseys was a gesture about like eight years ago. Now everybody just does it. Come up with something new. I got one. How about somebody throw a Bobby Nix burger on the ice? Nah. Hey man, while we're talking about a lot of money here in this economy, you can't be throwing a $55 burger on the ice, you know? But that's, but that's like, that's it for me is it's just like, it's like, okay, well, we have to come up with a line at some point. And to me, yeah, throwing it on the ice is the line where it's like, you know what, come up with a different gesture. Why hasn't anybody, and I'm not telling anyone to do this, but why hasn't anybody handcuffed themselves to a seat at Rod or Rexall place <laughs> until something happens? Like, no, like an actual protest, an yeah, actual protest. Let's see it. I want to see Homer sitting outside the arena on his lawn chair saying he won't eat until Ken Holland does something. Uh, it's important to note that OilersNation.com does not endorse hunger strikes, nor do Let's we encourage you to uh, handcuff yourself to a seat at Rogers place. You will be charged with trespassing. I promise you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you want to make headlines though, that's a, <laughs> I get it. I, like, those are things that people do have done. We don't encourage that. it, but those are things <laughs> that people have done to actually make a gesture as to what they want to see happen with the team. Throwing a jersey over doesn't immediately get you counsel with Craig McTavish like it did at one time. We will remember Craig McTavish offered to have the fan, the first fan that threw their jersey, drop the puck at their first playoff game afterwards that didn't actually happen but like you know what i mean so it's not like you're getting a list of demands out to ken holland by throwing your jersey on the ice i don't know what this answer is i'd love to hear your feedback though if you're listening to the podcast are you pro people chucking a jersey on the ice are you against it do you think it's pointless i don't know if you're gonna throw a jersey on the ice why not another team's jersey you know Maybe you're wearing a old school Chicago Bulls Scotty Pippen to the game. You chuck that baby on there because you don't want to lose your Ryan Jones jersey. Did you see? Just imagine seeing fans grab the jerseys of the opposing team. Oh, we have a Panthers jersey. Oh, there's another Panthers jersey on the ice. I think that the Oilers missed out on an opportunity to bring Kodak Black in and create a little uh, excitement in last night's Panthers game. We talked about it last week, but you know they don't ask for my help with marketing the team, even though they probably should. Uh, again, if you. Who would be Edmonton's Kodak Black though? Like I'm, t- I'm get, telling you, it's social code. <laughs> can we get J Rock to come out to one of these games and do something hilarious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need we need J Rock to do it. We need social code to be singing beautiful from one of the luxury boxes, and then the dude is just out there grinding. I don't know. Do we? <laughs> I don't know. Like Nickelback, can we get Chad Kruger in here? Look what, about claim what about the person that sits on White Ave and screams all the time? Oh, certainly hey. did like do some grinding. You know? We could get that. We could get them to come in and yell, yell our demands at the oh, game. Surely. I think so. I think so. Again, I want to hear about uh, from all of you on Jersey tossing, hit us up. Owen radio podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I would like to hear about it uh, tomorrow. Boys, the Oilers are looking to avoid an eighth straight loss. 
I can't even believe I have to say that. Like a six game losing streak was bad enough. Then you follow it up with a seven. Uh, tomorrow, the Oilers are playing the Flams. And deep in my heart, deep in my heart, I'm hoping it's a game that the boys can get fired up for. They always seem to be fired up for a battle of Alberta. Um, it just seems to piss them off in a way that no other team does. So in my heart of hearts, I'm hopeful that'll be the case. But I'm, I want to know what you guys think. Tyler, we got a, a BOA coming up tomorrow. What are you expecting from tomorrow's game against the Flames? For me, one of the things that's really been driving me nuts, and I've talked about it a lot, is they don't have a lot of jam, not a lot of fire, not a lot of competitive spirit in these hockey games. They don't seem to get pissed off at all. I'm really hoping the game tomorrow night, Saturday, against the, against the Flames Battle of Alberta wakes the Oilers up a little bit. It'd be great if the Flames come out of the gates and are dirty and are chippy and are playing physical and the Oilers go, you know what? F these guys. These are our rivals. We're not going to let them do that to us. And hopefully it wakes up the Oilers. That's the positive. At least I'm looking at the two points is massive, but I would love to see the Oilers wake up and respond physically to a big battle of Alberta. That's my worry in the sense that everybody knows the Oilers are at where they're at right now that the flames just come out and get to work without playing the chippier, dirtier side. Like they tell Matt Kachuk, like, Hey man, the Oilers don't engage them because if they get pissed off, you might, you might poke the bear a little bit. Zach, what are you expecting from the Battle of Alberta? Well, I mean, if it, the, the Flames can win the game pretty easily, honestly. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year. Uh, they got the second fewest goals against this year. But you know what? They're a team that's struggling too right now. In their last 11 games, they've gone 3-7-1 and one and allowed 40 goals. So it's not like they're playing gangbusters right now either. So, you know, the the method against the Oilers is the same as it has been for the last two months. You come out in the first five, 10 minutes of the game with some energy and some jump, fire as many shots as you can on that from basically anywhere. One of them yep. is bound to go in, and then the rest is history. Like, seriously, you get a one nothing lead against the Edmonton Oilers, game's good is over. Like, this, this Oilers team just has <laughs> no fight. It's so sad to say that. And it's pathetic that this is even what we're talking about, but that's the truth of the matter right now. So, you know, I want to sit here and say, oh, yeah, I think the Oilers are going to come out and, and run away with this game, and it's going to be the game that gets everything back on track. But, I mean, I just don't see it happening. I don't think, you know, I don't think I've ever seen um, a group of Oilers players uh, as dejected as I ever have right now. Like I like I've been following this team for 15, 16 years. I've sat through the decade of darkness. And I don't know if I ever recall a point in time where it felt so low uh, about the Edmonton Oilers in just in general. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's Calgary's game if they want it. I was talking about that with Jason Greger on selfish plug. My latest episode of better late than never. I was talking to Greger about it. Like this has been going on. Oh, and has been around a long time at this point. And we've covered a lot of losses over the course of that time. But this one just, it feels different. It feels like we're in the darkest Oilers timeline right now. And I don't know if there's even a glimmer of light coming in. Uh, but back to the question at hand, Mr. Nation, Dan, what do you expect from the battle of Alberta? I think one of two things, it's either a game where we come back and we win it and it's a solid effort, or I think it's fight night and we have a bit of a pissing match between these two teams. Uh, yeah. You guys have already touched on it. The Calgary flames, and Flames fans have been really enjoying the Oilers' struggles as of late because it's kind everybody of, has. It's, it's true, but it's been able to mask their issues. And we also can't forget that they had issues last year too that left them outside looking in. So they're pretty frustrated as it is. And and so uh, yeah, I I think it's either going to be a good game for the Oilers, or I really hope that we have a fight night on our hands and we've got the three or four fights. And this team just shows that at least it's got some emotion left in it, even if it. It doesn't necessarily have the skill or the horses to do it. Honestly, I think the Oilers need a fight night in the sense that not, I don't expect Kaylor Yamamoto's to go out there and scrap, but like they need something that rallies the team, like a good line brawl. Like Hopkins versus Monaghan. Yeah, yeah. Like a B shy on the bench. Everybody's chucking them. Everybody in the pile. I haven't seen that from the Oilers at all this year. They looked a lot grittier and more intense in the first period of last night's game against the Panthers, but they can't stop it after 20 minutes either. It has to be an all night thing. And, yep. you know, here's hoping maybe the Calgary flames bring that out of them. I would love to see it. 
but uh, we'll have to wait and see before we wrap up the preview of the battle of Alberta. Again, it looks like Koskinen's in net tomorrow night. Skinner's still in COVID protocol. Mike Smith now on, as we're recording this Friday, January 21st, it is now eight days since he was uh, said to be out one or two weeks. So we've passed the first marker there. Let's see where he comes back looking at, some updates from some of the local guys. It looks like Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Mike Smith are both skating. Hopefully we'll be back next week, but we'll see to wrap up the flames preview quick score prediction. Everybody nation down your first. I'm going to say four, three flames in OT. Uh, Zach. Five, one Calgary. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> Six, four Oilers. I'm going to say four, two Oilers and stay on brand. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, I want to go ahead and get to our ask the idiots questions here. I'm going to give a shout out to Buster's Pizza. If you go to busterspizza.ca, I promise you, you will find a location near you and they've always got more popping up. Whether you want a pizza, don't air, whatever tickles your fancy. Our friends at Buster's, they have got you covered. Okay. Okay. If you don't know how this works, ask the idiots. These questions have been submitted to me over the course of the last week or so. The boys have yet to see them or hear them. We're just going to get their first reactions live on the podcast here. Tyler Remchuk, you're up first on my screen for our friends at busterspizza.ca. First Ask the Idiots questions is, the Oilers are very disappointing once again. What is another thing, non-Oilers related, that has left you feeling this disappointed? And oh, I got a good one. This this week of weather, the last like two or three weeks of weather, when it comes to my skating desires, I want to get out and skate every single day. And our rink has either been melted or disgustingly frozen and covered over with snow. So I'm saying the weather recently has been that level of frustration for me. I'm going to say like for me, I'm. I'm such a big fan of other teams outside of hockey and sports leaves you heartbroken 99% of the time. So like, <laughs> you know, watching the blue Jays miss the playoffs this season by one game was super dejecting to me. Um, something in my personal life this year, I had a chance to break 80 golfing in the mountains over the summer. And I absolutely fell apart on the last three holes. And that really left a sour taste in my mouth. So there's plenty of things that leave me down. My life is generally filled with a lot of disappointment. (laughs) Zach, what outside of the Oilers has left you feeling this disappointment? This, uh, honestly, it's like, I, so I think I told some of you guys, but I'm on the wait list for, for getting some pretty serious knee surgery here. And let me tell you guys, that has fucking sucked. Like I, I've never had to deal with pain like this before, and it is just so exhausting and draining. And I'm tired all of the time. Um, plus, it's so cold, and I like, so like I can't even go for like a little walk around the block. And it's just icy and shitty everywhere. I'm in pain, and I'm in. I'm sad, and the Oilers are losing, and everything just sucks. Uh, you can choose a functioning knee or an Oilers Stanley Cup. Which one do you take? Give me the cup, baby. (laughs) I was going to say, Zach, if you don't say it, we're all going to say it for (laughs) you. So sorry about it. I'll Tanya Harding myself. I'll be, I'll be hobbling down white app on some crutches, 82 beers deep, baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just wrap it up. I think of a time in uh, this, what I'm going to guess is probably January of 2004. I went to pick up a pizza at then Panagopolis. I went in, I grabbed my pizza. And as I went to the car, I dropped it face down, entire pizza on the parking lot. If that's not heartbreak, then I don't know what is. Question number two, I'm going to start with Nation Dan here. Ask the idiots for our friends at Buster's Pizza. If the Oilers were to hire a Ted Lasso type of coach from outside hockey, who would you hire? Well, I mean, myself, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I have the ability if I could just get in there and I could just tell these guys how great they are and how much better they can do if they just increase their output by 1%, they will all be better. So yeah, I, I would say myself, I'm going to give myself the Ted Lasso nod. Zach, who are you hiring as a coach outside of hockey? Oh man, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but I'm going to go with Lisa Simpson actually for this one. There was an episode of the Simpsons where uh, she took over Bart's minor league baseball team, uh, turned it into an analytics haven and they went on to win a championship. So I think if anybody can turn this ship around, it's Lisa Simpson. Tyler. Oh, okay, fuck. What's his name? 
Zach, you might be able to help me. Who's that college football coach? He's a little bit of a bigger guy. He's always got a doofus looking haircut. And he he always like oh. fuck what uh, I'm typing all these descriptors into Ed, Google it, to see uh, if it works. Ed o- Oregon? Oh no, here he is. You coach? No. Um oh my god, this is literally it's literally a picture. Mike Leach. I would like Mike Leach. What is the context um, here, Tyler? I don't know. He's just a guy who's had some pretty funny interview clips, and he always seems like he's sending a good message. So if I'm thinking of the right guy, it's Mike Leach. Uh, Mississippi uh, State, though. There Gross. I'm going to say uh, Derek Jeter. No reason why. I just think Jeter's coming in and getting the job done. You know? <laughs> Respect. <laughs> All right, working through Ask the Idiots for Buster's Pizza. Question number three. I'm starting with Zach. What's the favorite? What is your favorite place you've ever traveled to? I don't really travel much, honestly. Like I was in Arizona once when I was in like the tenth grade, and beyond that, the furthest I've traveled is like Bob Cage in Ontario. So Bob Cage was pretty cool. So let's go with that, Tyler. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I haven't traveled a lot of places. Me being an absolute degenerate, I love going to Vegas. Um, me being a big Jays fan, I'm always happy to go to Toronto once a summer and watch my Jays play. So those are probably right up there, and it shows what a basic life I live. Dan. Uh, I've been married there. I've gone there for family reunions. I've done everything in Las Vegas. That's my favorite place to visit. Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Very, very hard to have a bad time when you're in Vegas. Uh, what is my favorite place I've traveled to? I've been, I've been lucky enough to travel a lot. So I'll just say Southeast Asia, just as a general, I can't pick a specific country. The whole area is cool. Um, and it's also very beautiful. Question number four, ask the idiots for our friends at Buster's Pizza. With the situation we're currently in and the lack of great assets, is anybody interested in trading Leon Dreisaitl in a one for many deal? Tyler Ramchuk. No. Zach. Well, I mean, it's like, we gotta, like, if we're going to go to that, like we have to talk about like, what's a realistic return on a trade. I mean, like if, if we're actually going to have that conversation, like I'm sure there's packages out there that you could come up with that would pique your interest. But you know, if we're talking about moving a, uh, a league MVP who scored 50 goals, put up a hundred points multiple times. It would have to be a massive package where like you're mm. shipping them to uh, yeah, big package. Uh, like just to throw something out there, like you're shipping them to the Rangers and you're getting back like Adam Fox, Mika Zabinajad and like Capo Cackle or something like that, where you're getting like multiple elite um, assets back. And I don't think that the Rangers would ever do that trade, but that's the type of package you would have to kind of look for. If, if it was ever something you were uh, realistically looking at trade him to the Panthers for Jonathan Huberdo, Mackenzie Weger, and Spencer Knight, a forward, a D man and a goalie. Yeah. Like that's like, if you're going to do it, like that's like something that's realistic because you're getting uh, an elite, elite uh, playmaking winger. you're getting a number one pairing, uh, defenseman who's strong in his own zone, and you're getting somebody who projects to be one of the best goaltenders in the NHL in the next number of years. So, yeah, something like that would be realistic. Dan, you got any interest in trading Leon? Yeah, I trade him for Vasilevsky, Nathan McKinnon, and Kale McCarr. Wow, three team uh, trade, multi team trade. You got to make it work. I mean, it's up to Ken Holland to make it work. I just said what I want. So, all at fifty percent retained. <laughs> yes, uh, I just. I mean, if you're going to have the conversation, like Zach said, it, the package would have to be extensive. I just can't imagine the Oilers winning a trade with Leon Drysaddle going the other way. I just, I can't. Uh, maybe we'll have to talk about it more down the line, as it seems to be that this team is a big, bigger, bigger trash pit. But bad bag not, milk, not That's quite a bad bag milk. Don't do that to us yet. I am very rude. I am very rude. Uh, next question: Ask the idiots for our friends at Buster's Pizza. Uh, Tyler, I'll start with you on this one. Does Kale McCarr become the next best defenseman to play the game? And do you think he can score 40? 40 is a stretch, but I think he can probably hit 30 on a year to year basis here. Like as a routine 30 goal guy, which is insane as a defenseman. And yeah, I absolutely think he's going to be the next big thing. I think he could very much, he's a very, very good shot of winning the Norris this year. And, uh, to bring it back to my old AJHL days, I remember sitting up in my perch, um, watching a game. He's behind the net. He's looking, he's looking. You can tell he wants to pass the puck. And then he eventually just kind of goes, 
ah, nah, I'll just do it myself. And his effortless, just and uh, right up the ice, just boop, straight line. No one touches him. And he just made it look easy. And then he goes to the NHL where he also just makes it look so easy half the time. It's insane what that guy is capable of. Work through us. Uh, it is here. Zach, do you think Kale McCarr will be the next best defenseman to play the game? And can he score a 40? I already think he's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. Um, and again, I'll harken back to my AJHL days too, where I saw him playing for the Brooks Bandits as well. And, and it was incredible to see at the time what he was able to do production wise. And it is not dropped off at any single point in his career. You know, he's now up to 16 goals in 34 games. I absolutely think that he could score 40 goals in the NHL, uh, which is, as Tyler mentioned, absolutely ridiculous for a defenseman. But this kid can do it all. Um, there's there's really no weakness in his game. Uh, and he's 23 years old. So the sky's absolutely the limit for this kid. And, and uh, Colorado's absolutely got a good one there. Dan? Well, I didn't watch Kill McCarr in AJHL. I haven't watched him very much in the NHL. I did tell a random Twitter follower that I was going to watch more Colorado games uh, going forward because I, I do want to be able to have more of an opinion on this. But to be honest, I have to defer to everyone else because I don't, I don't, I haven't seen enough of Kale McCarr to say whether he is generational or not, but I've heard only amazing things about him. I was watching them play the other night and he, the way he jumped up into a two on one, it looked, it looked like he took like two strides. It was like beep, beep. And then like he was past everyone. He was up in the rush. It was insane. I've watched, uh, I wouldn't say a lot of Colorado games, but I've watched more than a handful this year. And the, the guy is just unbelievable to watch. Can he score 40? I don't know. That's a ton of goals for a defenseman. But if anybody in this league can do it, it's probably him. When was the last time we had a 40 goal scorer? Last time we had 30 was uh, Mike Green, I think. I was going to say Mike Former Green for Oiler sure, legend. But not- but not 40 though. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have to go back to like probably coffee days and well, maybe Lidstrom, but he was more of an assist guy. It was a uh, green and then coffee before that. And I think Jason Garrison got close. Nice. AKA former Edmonton Oiler. Jay Downton, AKA Jason Garrison. Uh, and also two Oilers legends on that list. Shout out to both of them. Well, three uh, Paul Coffee's also there. Oh yeah. So here you go. 100%. There you go. So I just looked it up three times. A defenseman has scored 40 goals in the NHL. Paul coffee did it in 83, 84. He scored 40 Bobby Orr in 74, 75 scored 46. And then Paul coffee again, scored 48 and 85, 86. Do you have so, how many games Bobby Orr would have played in that season? Was it 82? There's no way he played 80 games. Oh, 80. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He played 80 games in that season, scored 46. So one, two, so can Kale McCarr join that list of people at 40 goals? I have no idea. That's a ton of goals, it seems like, from a defenseman, but we'll see. 17, 17 times a defenseman scored 30 goals. Well, and the other thing, too, with McCarr is that he's got so many good people on that team, and I don't imagine that team's falling apart anytime soon, so it's not like he has to... He's not. It's not like he's going to be called upon to be a 40-goal scorer either. Last question for Ask the Idiots for our friends at Buster's Pizza. I'm going to start with Zach on this one. Instead of a coaching change, why can't Tippett just change his system? You can't tell me he only has one idea. Well, I'm here to tell you that Dave Tippett does only have one idea. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's a good point. Why, why can't there be change? Um, there doesn't seem to be any willingness to be adaptable, to change the circumstances on a nightly basis, whether it's in-game or out-of-game. Um, it's, it's running the same thing every single night and, uh, uh, the others are unsuccessful in doing so. So I would love to see a systemic change because I think what he's been doing, the message is worn thin with this team. And I just don't know if I see the, the players playing for him anymore. Nation Dan, why didn't he change the system? Well, I like one of the skills that I think I'd like to add to my repertoire is a little bit more X's and O's knowledge as I go forward. But to me, yeah, like when I think of really good teams, they're versatile. They change based on the game situation. You can go from being a, from being a run and gun team to a trap team, just depending on the situation that you're within this team tends to have one or two kind of styles. It's either they're going after it or they're sitting back and holding on and neither of them seem to be that successful. So, yeah, I mean, you, you know, as a, as a lay person sitting there watching the game, you feel like there should be more changes and more adjustments coming and the coming out of periods and intermissions for me is where, is where I'm, where I kind of hope for a coach to be able to step in and, and change things up if it's not working in the first period or keep it going if it is in the first kind of thing. 
Uh, I'll just jump in and give Tyler the last word. Why does he change his system? I, I mean, I think he would have done it already if he had one, right? I don't know. Tyler, last word. Why doesn't Dave Tippett change his system? Yeah, I think you're bang on there. Like if he was going to change his system and not just keep doing the same stuff he's always done, there would have been a system change halfway through the series against Chicago, a system change halfway through the series against Winnipeg and a system change at some point this year, but that just clearly isn't going to happen. Uh, there you go. Ask the idiots for Buster's Pizza. Again, if you want to participate in this and get yourself entered into the draw for the gift card I'm going to do right now with my little randomizer here, just uh, fire me a DM on Twitter or Instagram, wherever you can get me. You can email me. doesn't matter. I ask these questions to the boys without them knowing. So fire my way and you're entered to win a Buster's Pizza GC. My little randomizer is spinning here. And Kevin... Shout out to Kevin. You are the winner of the GC this week. He is the one that asked if you were to hire a Ted Lasso type coach from outside of hockey, who would it be? Again, very specifically, the answer is Derek Jeter. Got it? Good. Tyler, it is time to get your buttons ready. We are doing the Deuce Vodka Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. If you go to deucevodka.com, as always, you see a very handsome picture of Brett Kissel right at the top of your screen on the right-hand side, you find the find in-store button. You're going to want to click that, find out where you can get a bottle of Deuce Vodka for the weekend, provided that you are of legal drinking age. As we do every week, we start off with our veggies. We look at the cold performers of the week. And on my screen, Nation Dan is up first. That means I'm coming to you, my friend, your Deuce Vodka cold performer of the week. Uh, my Deuce Vodka cold performer of the week is going to go to um, everybody that's complaining about that game, Wordle. I just uh, let people enjoy it and, and get on board if you're not. That's my lazy cold performer of the week. Sorry. By the way, I am now on an eight-day Wordle streak. Nice. I don't that was with Proxy that. in there, too. That Proxy was- got me. Yeah, I I almost also fucked up today's. Um, oh, me too. I, I almost fucked it up, but I got there in the end. Zach, you're next up. Deuce Vodka Cold Form of the Week. Oh, man, I had it and I totally lost it. My Cold Performer of the Week is me forgetting what my Cold Performer of the Week was. Uh, actually, no, it is me because I burnt my wrist on the on my air fryer this week and it really <laughs> hurt. <laughs> oh, get cold. Make sure to air fry with caution, my friend. Tyler, you're up next. Deuce Vodka Cold Form of the Week. My cold performer of the week is going to be Sam Montembeau. He faced 95 shots, I think, over his last two games, the two games he started this week for the Canadians, and somehow stopped a large portion of them, which was bad for me because I bet against the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> in both those games. Sam Montembeau, you may think you're playing good right now, but you are costing me money. Also, media members who take their jobs too seriously. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is. You just slipped that one right in there at the end, huh? I didn't even think it's Montembeau, by the way. Yeah, that's how you say it. Uh, my Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week is me. Last Sunday, I tweeted that the Oilers may or may not be having a press conference on Monday. The Twitter sphere took to it by storm, and when it didn't happen, well, whoopsie daisies. I apologize about that. Source was good. Info was bad. But I gave a lot of you hope that there was going to be change, and nothing happened. Interesting thing about it was... I apologize, said I was wrong. Not very many people actually got mad at me, but a lot of them did get mad at the Oilers for doing nothing, which I found a little bit interesting. But the point here is, Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week, me. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. That was in my uh, Christmas card from my dad last year, actually. So that fits very well. Uh, Flipping the ledger, we're going to finish off the podcast with some positives. It's the Deuce Vodka Hot Performers of the Week. We are going to reverse the order. Tyler, you're up first. Your Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week. I actually got two, but my first one is going to go to Tyler Benson. I've talked about how the Oilers need someone who's going to go on the ice and be a prick. Zach Cassian gets paid a lot of money. He don't do it. No one really does it on this roster, but Tyler Benson, who's been a skill guy his entire life. I've noted, I've, I've seen these little moments where he isn't afraid to go to the front of the net after the whistle. He isn't afraid to stand in front for a couple extra seconds. And yesterday he had a couple chirps going back and forth. I saw him after a whistle, you know, a little whoopsie daisy elbow to the back of the head of one of the Florida Panthers. And I just thought, you know what, Tyler Benson, if someone's not telling you to keep doing this, I will. 
Keep being a prick, Tyler Benson. I get it might not come natural to you, but the Oilers need it. And if you do it and perfect it, you will play here for a long time. So Tyler Benson gets my hot performer of the week. Oh, and so do uh, the Buffalo Bills because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills and they are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this week. I like this right here. <laughs> Zach, you're up next. You're Deuce Falk, a hot performer of the week. Ozark season four, baby. Just oh, dropped man. on Netflix I'm today and pumped. I'm doing nothing but watching that this weekend. Pumped. Pour it on! Ozark, that got added. Also, everybody who has followed me on Twitter or listens to this podcast or real life knows how much I love shitty dating shows. New season of Too Hot to Handle also loaded up on there. Excellent. Nation Dan, you're a deuce vodka hop form of the week. Well, if it wasn't for Jim Matheson and his pissy uh, exchange with Drysidle, I think everybody would be talking more about this man. It's going to go to Brendan Perlini for one of the best most disconnected and just happy uh, press conferences I've heard in a long time. A good way to start your day. If you listen to a Brendan Perlini press presser. Uh, so you're going to get my hot performer of the week, Brendan Perlini. The big guy is smoking hot. Um, my Deuce Vodka hot performer of the week. I'm very excited about it. This was a big, big thing for us after two years. After two years of trying to figure it out and sending Instagram articles of incorporation and everything else we could possibly think of, Oilers Nation got its Instagram account back. We went from 21,000 followers up to 67,000 followers. And it felt good to be home. Last night on the Bcast, we had 250 lives in there. It was bopping in there last night. The comment section was on fire. So I'm going to say getting our Instagram account back, OilersNation.com, spelled out dot, by the way, um, on Instagram. That is my hot performer of the week. Sorry. I thought I was going to get a special button from that. And did I? No, I got Nelly. I would like Nelly one more time, please. So I want to say thank you to Instagram for giving us our Instagram account back. Now, if you could give us back the Canucks army and the Leafs nation one as well, that's just good for business. You know, quads would love it. Instagram, you are making David Quadrelli sad and you can wear that on your conscience until you give us our Instagram account back. All right. For all of our friends, for all of the boys. This is episode 176 of Oilers Nation Radio. I want to say thank DoorDash, Oodle Noodle, Cornerstone Insurance, Deuce Vodka, Buster's Pizza for making it all possible. And more importantly to all of you for listening, please rate, subscribe, download, tell all your friends about Oilers Nation Radio because next Friday we'll be right back here with a fresh episode. Have a great weekend, everybody. Odo, Brad Malone. Shout out Seth Griffith. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.